Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. Love being here. As I say, every single week, I love, love, love being able to be here with you, especially now that we're doing it live streaming. Uh, when I was on broadcast radio, that my producer, Mr. B, would say, okay, one, two, and, you know, I get the hand signal that we're live, and, you know, the antenna went out to over 50,000 people, and it was just amazing, that live feeling, which is why I live stream the show now that I'm no longer on broadcast, because the station went to all these music back in July of last year, so we've been doing this format for gosh, almost a year now. And I am excited with the response that I've been getting from all of you on social media, in emails to me, how you've been telling everybody about the show. And we've become a top 5% of all podcasts globally. And that is because of you, all the fans and my heart. I just, it expands at the thought of all that you're saying and talking about the show. And most of all, how your perspectives are being shifted by my guests that I have on the show, the new questions you're learning, and, and how you're learning to ask questions of yourself and others in another way. Because as I always say at the end of the show, the right questions can change your life. It doesn't matter what level of business you're at, what level of life you're at, what matters is the questions you ask and, and whether you're waiting to get the answer you want or you're allowing the right answers to come in. And I love that. And I'm excited to introduce you to my guest on my show today, who is another guest that I met because of the awesome, amazing, my dear friend, who has also been on my show multiple times, Patty Grimm. She um, said, you must, must, must interview Jennifer Pesticus. And I think I just totally slaughtered her name again. And it's like, I asked her before the show, I knew how to say it until I asked her. So it's really funny. She's got a great podcast called Brave Women at Work. And um, Jennifer, so great to have you on the show today. And I can't believe it. I know I slaughtered your name. I am overthinking <laughs> this morning. <laughs> well, it's so great to be here, Laura. And it's Pesticus. So it's just the emphasis in a different part of the name. But thanks so much for having me on. Well, I think it's so perfect, right, that I bobbled your name after trying to be so perfect at it, which is how I thought I needed to say it before I asked you. And I even phonetically wrote it out on my piece of paper so I wouldn't do it. Because one of the things we're talking about is today is your journey and the journey of many of your guests of being brave at work, where we've had this whole idea of it's not okay to fail. And I have this calendar that my good friend Cindy Dolliff got me for Christmas that sort of became a tradition when my mom was still alive. And it's called Women Who Do Too Much, page a day calendar. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is what today's is, okay? When we do something wrong, we are not worthless. We are human. What a relief to be human and have the opportunity to learn. It's so perfect for our show today. It is, it is perfect. It is perfect for today. So yes, I I resonate with that so so much. In you know, I've failed many times in my life. I've succeeded probably just as many times if not more times in my life. Yet these last few years 
I've had more fear of failing or embarrassing myself or not doing the right thing at the same time as I'm like, Oh, whatever. <laughs> so it's like this battle inside so many of us of it's okay if we fail to, Oh my God, what if I fail? And then mm -hmm. I think it's sort of our response when something happens to us that we didn't necessarily want it. Like in my case, like I screwed up your name and I'm like, okay, I acknowledge it. We move on. But that worry, that fear leading up to that moment mm -hmm. is really decides who we are as people. Mm -hmm. And so what, do you, what do you say to something like that? So what I say is to have self-compassion. Um, I am famous for not having self-compassion and really attaching my identity to what I've done for the day, what I've uh, quote unquote achieved for the day. Um, it's how I grew up. It's just kind of how I'm hardwired. And I've had to learn that maybe it's just taking a step back and saying, you know what? My energy was just lower today. So what? <laughs> you know, it's, it's about the journey of being human. Writing down the three big, the three big rocks and taking that into consideration, doing my three big rocks or my to-dos. And even if I don't get that done, it's okay. You know, I, if you're blessed to wake up the next day, then you can, you can tackle it the next day. And I'm not trying to give myself a free pass, but I think that self-compassion is part of that journey. And also being aware that self-awareness that you might be in a perfectionism spiral. And I think, Laura, you know what I'm talking about, where in your head, those voices come in saying, you know, you're not good enough. You could have done that better. And then you just really start attacking. So um, that's what that's what I would say to answer that question is being self-aware and having compassion. And, and part of my self-awareness as you were talking was I'm dog sitting and the dog just decided to go ballistic and start barking. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is going to be so perfect, Laura. It's going to be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I, i'm just like all right universe okay god what are you trying to tell me today <laughs> the dog wants to say hi hi what's the dog's name laura the dog's name is daisy all right hi daisy so you know we've gotten it all on the table all out of the way we're totally fine this is perfect right and i'm, and I'm laughing because when we were setting up the show you know before the show started you have somebody else in your house and, you know, they came in as you're setting everything up and you were like, okay, well, don't forget I'm on the show today. And they're like, oh yeah, okay. And, and then they walked out and I'm like, okay, well, do you happen to have a headphone or a mic or, you know, headset or a mic so that just in case they make some noises, you know, we do everything we possibly can, right? Right. To make our situation as perfect as we can be for whatever's going on. And I guess that's, where you were just so beautifully and eloquently talking about self-compassion. Like sometimes there's nothing you can do. It no. just is what it is. Yeah. You just show up, you know, that's part of it. Just show up imperfectly. And I think especially after this year, you know, I've had meetings where someone's baby is crying in the background or their dog is saying hi. And I think that I've just learned that's, being human versus before, you know, the COVID era, as I call it, this COVID period we've been in, you know, it was frowned upon if you had a baby crying. It was almost like a, oh, you know what? Were they working? Uh, are they not doing what they're supposed to be doing? Now it's just an assumption that 
it's, it's messy. Life is messy and, and we're going to have dogs bark and we're going to have mics that don't work and we're just going to have all the things. Yeah. And I mean, I remember there was a time when nobody would, no woman would appear at work or on a video like this or anything without full makeup, you know, perfect hair, nails done, everything perfect. And now we're seeing that, you know what, it's okay to have your hair showing gray after a year of not being able to get your hair done for so many women, they're just like, well, you know what, it's now acceptable and I'm okay going gray. So we've yeah. had COVID, as you've mentioned, really made us rethink what it means to present ourselves professionally and personally out there to the world. Now you work corporate, mm-hmm. so to speak, right mm-hmm. now, right? You're yes. you're not an entrepreneur. You're like you're what Bob Berg, the author of The Go Giver, and a dear friend of mine, termed to me one day an intrapreneur. You're working in a company with your entrepreneurial bent, your entrepreneurial style, studying leadership, helping others grow. So you're an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur, but inside a company. Have you seen changes for yourself in that role with COVID and everything that has happened? Uh, Absolutely. So. I'm blessed enough that I at least have an opportunity to work partially remote and then partially in the office, more in the office than remote. But the last year has taught me that I, you may have heard this from other guests, but I am more productive being in a hybrid type of scenario where I have time out of the office and time in the office. It allows me to be more creative to be more innovative, to think outside the box, because I'm not physically in the box of the office. So it allows me to just get new, fresh perspectives. And like I said, to be more creative. Um, And I can feel that in the projects that I'm completing, in the time it's taking me to get projects done, in just my overall productivity. I think my mental health is actually better for being in a hybrid type of scenario. It's also allowed me to be creative in other outlets. So you talked about Brave Women at Work, my podcast. I don't think I would, Laura, honestly, I don't think I would have birthed that podcast if I would have been in an office five days a week. And so I think that's been the biggest gift for me in that aspect. I also think in terms of my team, so I manage a team of people, a smaller team, but a team nonetheless. And I've seen that I can trust them and they are accountable and they are good people. And it just reinforced my feeling that humanity for the most part, it's good, it's good. And I think that I've seen that come through in my people and the work they've been able to do. I had a department that was actually business development and their whole function was completely (laughs) axed essentially, not in terms of them losing their jobs, thank goodness, but we had to pivot and actually create new jobs for them. And it was such a blessing for for me to see how they pivoted and how they got creative and how they learned new functions to say thank you back to the organization, but also to build upon the skills that they've, they've done with themselves. So those are some examples I've seen during COVID and how it's changed. And I honestly don't think that we're going to see things go back exactly to the way they were. 
I think that there are going to be some modifications moving forward. And I think for the better in some aspects, at least for me personally. So many people keep saying, oh, when are we going to get back to normal? Or is this the new normal? What is the new normal? Personally, I think wherever you're at that day is normal, right? right. And to go back to something that was never really moves the world forward to say, I want what we used to have, because I don't see how you can ever possibly do it. The, the world's expanded. The world's changed. Yes, there are times I'd love to go back to some of the stuff when I was growing up as a little girl where, you know, we were way more present to anything that was happening around us at the time because we weren't pulled in 30 billion different directions. It just wasn't the option. There weren't as many things going on. And you certainly didn't have social media and cell phones. And if you weren't, if you were out at a store, you weren't able to take a phone call. You didn't even have answering machines when right. I was growing up, you know, the phone just kept ringing and ringing and ringing. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, we're all afraid to leave the house without our phone. Cause what if we miss a call? I find that keeps me stuck in worry a lot of, because I have a, my dear aunt and uncle are 94 years old. What if they try to call me and I can't, I can't get them? Or what if a friend is hurt that lives alone and, and I can't, they need me or, or something like that. So, you know, I listen to what you're saying about how you've done shifts inside your business and whatever this, you don't see us going back to what it was, some sort of hybrid. For you personally, what does that feel like to you? You know, mm -hmm. we, we talk about with you, you know, thriving, overcoming self-doubt, uh, what we talked about, you know, failing and all that. What does that world look like for you? Personally, professionally, or both? Both, I think, is really important for everybody. Sure. So I have two children, so I'll start personally. So I have, I've been married for almost 16 years. I think I got that right. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And I have two children. I have a nine-year-old and a two-year-old, girls. So I had struggles also uh, personally during COVID, care, uh, daycare closed down, school remote, all of that. And so that's been interesting. I learned that number one, I'm stronger than I thought I was. And I think all parents out there that were parenting and teaching last spring, especially helping with homework, helping with entirely e-models that you may not be familiar with via tools such as the one we're on today, I think it just shows our resilience and our strength. So I learned a lot about myself during that process. I do plan to send my kids back in the fall. Um, my other, my little one does go to daycare periodically. So that's changed, that's changed um, that I've sent her back to daycare. I feel comfortable with that. And I know that everyone is in a different place with this, as, even as people are getting vaccinated. And so I respect all of those opinions. And so I am planning to send my daughter back to school uh, full-time in the fall, as long as everything is healthy and, you know, as healthy as we can be and safe. So that's the first thing is I learned that I'm resilient, that my husband and I really did a good job of schooling at home, 
parenting at home, working at home. Now, were there days that were absolutely off the hook? Yes. <laughs> you know, where we were exhausted and we would snip at each other because we were on top of one another. Absolutely. You know, I, I would lie if I said, oh, it's just roses and rainbows, Laura. Everything was just totally perfect. No, it wasn't perfect. Uh, and then in terms of professional, I told you about the hybrid scheduling. I learned a lot about how I work and how I work best. I learned about going back to a hybrid schedule would be best for me. I learned about my team and how I feel about it is really interesting is I feel hopeful because I learned a lot about myself and even through tragedy and so many lives lost. And I'm so sad for those families that lost loved ones and or if, if somebody listening got sick, you know, I'm so sorry that you had that experience. I, on the other hand of this, I'm just hopeful that we will start to see a better balance of work and life. I think it's and I don't know where we stand in the statistics today, but it, it's it's true that, you know, American culture, we're very go, go, go. And it's very work, work, work. We're not working less hours. We're working more hours. Um, Laura, I lived in France for a year when I was a student and it was such a blessing. I was in the South of France in Provence oh. and, you know, I would go out of my apartment and I would smell fresh bread and I could drive, you know, a few miles and be in a lavender field. And I would go to the markets and I would, I mean, literally biting into a peach, you could smell like how fresh it really was. And it tastes different too. It tastes different. And I would ask the, the farmers that they're at the, the market and they go and I, I would ask just for fun. I'm like, when did you pick this? Because it just, you know, it would just dribble all over your chin and it was just smelled so lovely. Right. Even before you bit into it, you're salivating, right? With like those, that example where you think of a lemon and then you start to salivate or whatever, you know, you think of this peach, you'd start to salivate before you would just bite into its juiciness. And the farmer would say, I, I picked it, you know, just yesterday. And so when I think of like life and life balance, I think of those days and that blessing I had to walk around those markets. And I have learned and I'm hopeful that am I going to be going to a fresh market every day, Laura? No, I'm not. I live in the suburbs of Chicago and that's just not possible. I understand <laughs> where I am. But I also understand that can I have a little bit more life in my days is it's not all about work and how can I have that messiness, but in a good way and live in the imperfect and be joyful in it. And so that's really how I feel. I'm writing down something you just said, because I don't want to forget it. And I'm already starting to, which I hate. How can I have a little bit of that messiness? in my day. Yes. You said that. And I love that. Um, the, the idea of allowing messiness into your day. And as I'm saying that, I am feeling that peach you just described dripping down my chin. That moment you, when you bite into something so luscious, your whole being is present and becomes alive to it. And it's dripping down your chin and it's messy, right? But it's life. It's, it's everything in that moment. Every sense in your body is attuned to it. And then I think of, have you seen the new TV series, the United States of Al? 
I haven't. I haven't. If I should, I'll put it on the list. <laughs> it, it's a very odd show. I haven't decided if I like it yet or not. I think it's trying to feel its way through as a sitcom. But basically, it's um, an interpreter from Afghanistan gets taken, gets brought from there to America to live with um, a Marine that he used to, that he helped, that he helped translate and they got him out. Right. And there's this culture shock, Mm. especially the first time they go, he goes into a grocery store with them, right? Mm -hmm. Grocery stores in America are not like really grocery stores anywhere else in the world. (laughs) (laughs) And he's in the produce department and he's like, look at all this produce and look at the colors. And he sees this apple and he's just totally enamored by this apple because, you know, where he's from, you don't get a lot of apples, but when you do, they're just luscious and wonderful. Right. And he, He's like, can I eat this now before you check out? And of course, we've all like had some grapes from a bag to taste them or whatever. Anyway, he bites into this apple after exclaiming how luscious, how gorgeous, how wonderful it is. And he bites into it and he goes, it has no taste. And that's so much about what I think, especially what you were just talking about, our American life was not always full of taste. It was full of everything we had to do. Right. And, and I, for me, and, and that might not be for everybody, but because of what you were just talking about, I feel like for both of us, COVID and some other things, because my listeners know I've had been trapped in my house for three years with sound-induced vertigo, the lusciousness of life and, and grabbing it in whatever moment you can so for you, that peach, that having some messiness, little bit of messiness in your life, as you go forward, have you thought about how you're going to allow that in? If the demands begin to just kind of go back to what they were or actually could get worse, right? Because people are like, well, our business was sort of not so great. So now we're going to expect you to be even more than you were before. I haven't, but I think it's a great question and I'm happy to just answer from my heart. Absolutely. I think that it's something I need to journal on. So thanks for giving me a homework assignment (laughs) for after this. So I would say, and I've been really honest with my manager and management that I think this is an example of messiness. So I'm in a, let's say I'm in a Zoom call or, you know, a go-to meeting, you know, and on my work from home day. And my dog is barking and I'm listening because sometimes our meetings are on audio only and not, you know, face to face like this as well. And that's just the culture I work in. And I'm, you know, got partially folded laundry on the table. And, you know, I'm about to, at the end of that meeting, go use my Instapot. That to me is messy, but it's lovely because I love the ability. And I've told I've told my manager, I, I love the ability when I work from home. I, I do not take this as for granted. It is a luxury that when I'm working from home, I can also fold my laundry. And it is luxurious that I can fold my laundry and that's kind of messy. Or I've got to go pick up a kid and I, you know, I, I have to take a break from work. I think that. The idea of, and I learned this from another person, 
Her name is uh, Casey Hartung, and she's a coach out there as well. And she talked about work-life flow versus work-life balance, the idea of flow. So I think that flow is going to be messy because sometimes work is going to be gushing out, right? And it's just going to come pouring out. And then other moments in my day, it's going to come like dripping out because I have to go pick up my child or I have to go and do something else or, but I have a work ethic that, you know what, I'm going to go and I'm going to, you know, I don't want to say make up the time, but I'm going to go and get my work done. And I like the idea of having that trust relationship with my company to say, you know what, as long as I'm getting that stuff done and I'm being um, a good producer and, and I'm doing what I need to be doing, it can be messy in the middle versus pre-COVID, you know, we're sitting in meetings and everything's really structured. So anyone that's listening that's in corporate, it's like, especially at, at my level. So I'm a senior manager. So it's like meeting structure and then it's next meeting structure and it's structure, structure, structure. And then your only break to kind of mentally break out of the boxes in between meetings or the lunch period or like lunchtime. I think lunch period because my whole family is in education and I talked <laughs> to my family this morning. And so that's the unstructured time. I think that the messy, especially professionally, is being having the ability to weave in that unstructured time with structured time. And knowing that it's okay if one kind of bleeds into the other. For me, I'm finding that I actually really thrive in that environment. And for the kids, I think the beautiful thing on the personal is I have learned, and I'm, I'm taking inventory, Laura, of the messy is not having to be so programmed. So I was a mom that was like, okay, we've got to have quote unquote programming. Like, what are we doing on a Saturday? I am now to my nine-year-old's dismay and to her anger sometimes, like pushing her out of the house and be like, go get bored. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, because I don't feel like I should have to be teaching her to come to me for more structure. I want her to have more unstructured and messy time so she can get creative, so she can fall off her bike, so she can ride on the driveway, so she can make a new friend. And so that's that's what I'm feeling right now. I will go back and do my journaling and, and come back to you, Laura and tell you if it changes. But that's how I'm feeling right now. Well, as I was listening to you, I had these flashbacks to growing up in in the 60s in the Bronx and, and Yonkers, New York. Right. And obviously not when I was sub three years old. Right. My mom didn't go go outside and play. Right. right. But when we reached the age where it was go outside and play, we'd all knock on the neighbor's door and the kids would all come out and and we'd go play, whether it was kick the can or stick ball yeah. or hide and seek or whatever it was. We'd go back into the woods, which were safe behind our house and we'd catch salamanders or, or do whatever. And our parents would see us like six hours later <laughs> and they weren't really worried where we were. They knew we were okay and that one of the kids, if somebody was injured or whatever, would come running and go, Mrs. Right. Stewart, you know, <laughs> something happened. <laughs> and but yet we've become a world of such structured time. I don't know if it's because we just have so much on our plate or because we just like to be busy. 
Yeah, so busy, and this is a cliche at this point, but busy is a badge of honor. So when you, when I run into people, and I've been guilty of this, so I'm not pointing fingers. So let's say you talk to someone, how are you doing? The answer is no one really wants the answer. It's not, you know, oh, I'm really tired and I feel really, I'm really tired and I need to take a break. No, people are like, I'm so busy. Oh, I'm so busy. You hear that like 50 times a day. I'm so busy. And it almost feels like, well, I'm more important because I'm busy. So were we less important during COVID because we weren't busy? No, we were people moving through a messy experience. And I think that's why we had it. And again, I am not a therapist. I'm not a doctor. But I think there were so many factors that go into this. But a lot of people lost their purpose because they didn't know what to do when they couldn't do. And when you have to look at yourself and have hard conversations about what you like and you don't like because you can't go to the mall, you can only watch so much Netflix, you can't see your family or friends. Those are that can be hard for people. I've had family members say it was a super hard period for them. I'm not discounting that. But I think it also was a beautiful pause for many people to say, how do I want my messy life? How do I want my life to look like? Okay, and we lost you, Jen. The last word I heard you say is, what do I want my messy life to? And then you died. So that's what happens with live, everybody. Sometimes somebody's internet drops and we have blips and we can see that Jen's lovely face is frozen in a position. And I'm really loving this conversation. Hopefully Jen can hear us um, right now. Nope, she's definitely dropped off with her internet and here she is coming back. So come on back in, Jen. Hi. Sorry about and that. I'm still not seeing you in. Oh. Um, so there's still an issue with your internet. We'll try this again to bring Jen back in. And she's still got some issues there, but that's okay. You know, that's the beauty of live. So I'd like everybody to think about while we're waiting for Jen to come back in this mm -hmm. idea of messiness. Is there a part of this messiness that's happened for you during COVID that you would like to continue? Um, you know, Jen talked about journaling for herself. I, I would love it if you would post to social media um, anywhere on any of the social platforms, LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Facebook. Most of my pages are at the Laura Stewart and there she is. So I would love for everybody to post what part of messiness that has happened throughout COVID for you that you would love to see continue. And maybe what parts you would like not to see continue because <laughs> those are things to also look at. So Jen, welcome back. Hi, can you hear me? I can hear you now. So okay. last thing we heard was you were talking about things that you plan with the messiness and yes. things you can't plan. So why don't you pick up from there? Sure. So I was just saying that I think that I welcome everyone listening. It went right to what you were saying, Laura, about making a list of mental or on paper of what you want to carry forward and what you don't want to carry forward. And that this period, although it was just really difficult for everyone, it was a great opportunity to take stock of what you want and what you don't want. Because like many people listening, 
I was go, 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 go. Kids were in activities and swim lessons and theater. And I was working in the office full time. And it was just automatic. It was like reflexive. I didn't even think about it. This was just the way life was. And now I think this gave us an opportunity, the great pause to say, do I really want life to be like that on the other side? And putting some personal boundaries so that you can keep a little bit of sanity, a little bit more happiness, a little bit more of eating that peach, I guess, a little bit of more of the juiciness of your life in your life. Yeah, I, I was talking to a good friend of mine in Seattle, and her granddaughter loves ballet and loves dance. Mm-hmm. I mean, this girl is amazing at it and would just dance all, all day long. And, and she's not quite 12 years old. And during COVID, her in-person multi-hour ballet classes couldn't happen. So they were doing them via Zoom. And I love that she just started classes again and she's so excited about it. But I also have other friends who their grandkids or their daughters or their sons are like, I never really liked it anyway. Mm-hmm. So can can I do more of this instead of more of that? They just mm-hmm. sort of got caught up in the, well, this is what we do. We have three things after school and these kids have discovered whole other areas of their life as have their parents. My, my cousin has, I think, redone her entire house. I think she's just insane. <laughs> she's, done. she's a teacher, a science and math teacher. She's learned to crochet. She's made t-shirts for people and different things for people. And this whole other massively creative side of her has come out. And I feel like she's blossomed in a whole other way. Now, what she takes from it, I don't know, but she's still teaching and doing all those other things that she was doing, but she got to explore some other sides of her, as you were talking about the creativity Mm -hmm. and, and just opening up this space. And I have other friends that just really realized how exhausted they were. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're, they're single like me. And they had so much going on and so much going on in a lot of areas of their life just sort of hit the pause button. And when it all stopped, they stopped and they said, I can't get up off the couch. Mm -hmm. I just want to watch Netflix or Amazon Prime or Disney Plus Mm -hmm. all day long. I want to read this stack of books. And it's like their, their physical body crashed. Mm-hmm. It wasn't running on adrenaline anymore. Mm-hmm. So what do you say, Jen, from your experience, you know, with your show, Brave Women at Work, your experience as a mom, um, leading a team at work? What do you say to, to that? Some of these people are like, I'm a super high achiever and all of a sudden I can't get up. Well, I will say that's OK. And I would give yourself some time and grace to take a rest And does that mean that you're going to be on the couch for the next like year? Hopefully not. But does that mean that you need to take stock after hearing this, listening to this, maybe doing some self-reflection on what you do and don't want to do going forward? Yes. And I think it's interesting. 
I've asked myself, when was the last time that I scheduled something just fun? Or when was the time the last time I scheduled just to rest? I don't put rest on my calendar. I just collapse into bed. You know, that's how a lot of moms are. You know, we just we just kind of like go into bed and then all of a sudden like it's lights out and it's you know, we're it's the next morning you start all over again. But I I would tell that person that your body is telling you something and our bodies are innately divine and amazing. And if you need rest, then you need to listen to that or that's the path to illness. And I did not do that for a long time. And in 2019, I went through burnout. So pre-COVID, I went through burnout. <laughs> so I've done that. Did it then. I was like, check. Yeah, I've done that. And it's not fun. And it takes a long time to heal from and you have to befriend your body again and listen to your intuition and listen to your gut and what your body signals are saying. So I would say listen to your signals, make time for rest, and also make sure that in between the work that you're making time for fun. You mentioned boxes checked. (laughs) Yes. And making time for fun. Let's explore into that a little Mm bit. What do you mean by checking the boxes? How did it relate to your life? And how has the awareness that you were checking boxes, because it sounds like you became aware that -hmm. you're checking boxes like, okay, I've accomplished this. That was on my to-do list for my life. I've accomplished this. You know, um, my listeners know my personal story. And anybody who's read my book, What Would a Wise Woman Do, knows this. When... I was first married the first time and we were in counseling because he freaked out at four months into the marriage and we went into counseling and it wasn't going well. The therapist said, I don't want you to ask, answer why you married him. I want you to ask the question, answer the question, why did you want to get married? Mm -hmm. And after asking myself why five times, I got to the answer of because I hadn't checked that box yet. You know, I was highly successful. I owned my own house. I was on boards of charities. You know, I had money in the bank. I had lots of good friends, but I was approaching 30 and had never been married. (laughs) And he asked. So it's like, okay, I need to check this box. Those are not the right reasons to get married, but I wasn't aware of them. Right. When I was going through it. So let's, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, yeah. I mean, not on the marriage side. Um, I really, I feel like I just won the lottery there. So my husband and I, you know, we're real partners and just love him to pieces. And I just, I I really feel like my life is better for being with him. So I thank him if he's listening or watching at some point. Um, In terms of other boxes, Yes, to all of the other boxes. So what are some of those boxes? So I grew up as a kid, as a perfectionist. I think it's in my DNA. I think it was enhanced by my environment. I think that my mom and I've had many conversations about this. If she was sitting right here with her cup of coffee, she would say, I am also a perfectionist. So it runs deep in our DNA. She still struggles with it. And so do I. So it's, it's not something you take a pill for. It's I think it's just as insidious as other things. And it's just a process disorder that you feel like you need to do things perfectly. And that's a big problem in your life. So there's that. So what did perfectionism do for me? It set these high expectations of what I must do. So some of the boxes I checked were, oh, you've got to go to college. Check. 
you got to go and get your MBA. Check, check. Did that. Um, I got all of the accolades at work. Absolutely. I kept progressing. So I always thought the career is like this trajectory like this. It's always up. It's never lateral. And oh, God forbid, it's never like where you take a break and to say, oh, I'm going to go ramp. Oh, no, no, no. That's not possible. Right. And I'm still learning that. I, you know, I'm sad to admit this, but, you know, mothers and this was before I was a mother. Now I totally get it. Any mom who's listening, I get it. Someone that would off ramp because they wanted to take care of their kids. I was like, I don't understand that. Well, I didn't understand that because I didn't have kids. Then you have kids and you're like, oh, I get this now because your heart is living outside your body and you want to spend as much time with your heart and your multiple hearts if you have multiple children as possible. So I would say definitely all the career stuff, all the education stuff. I even will admit that after having children, I don't think that was a box check. I wanted after my husband and I married, you know, we were married a long time. I was scared to have kids because I was like, how is this going to mess with my ambition and my career and all this kind of stuff. But where I really struggled is I ended up getting postpartum anxiety after my first daughter was born. And I had it for two years, completely unknowing. (laughs) So it was just, yeah, I never got, you know, medication. I never got went into therapy. I, you know, and I muscled through it, not knowing. And so all of those things, I think, were signs. Again, the body knows the signs that I was doing something that wasn't really filling my heart or that I needed some support or I needed rest, all of the things. And so it took some deep thought after the big burnout of 2019 to understand and get realization and say, you know what, I am checking some boxes and how can I be happier? How can I not feel empty after accomplishing something? So I've actually talked to a couple happiness coaches. There's actual happiness coaches out there. Really? Yes. And um, I'll mention a name. I had her on my podcast. Her name is Barbara Leggett and she's out of New York and she studied at um, one of the Harvard happiness uh, schools. And it's one of the most popular uh, classes she told me at Harvard is the study of happiness. Yeah, and, it's a free course too. Yeah, it's a yeah, free it's online a course. course. Yes. And Laura, by the way, my dog is now with us and he's going to start to bark. So, <laughs> all right. So we're all even now, just so you're aware. Um, so the long and short of it is, is I learned from Barbara on, on the show and during that day that there's a happiness set point and you can flex your happiness set point that you actually have you can actually work on your happiness. And what I've learned is looking back, checking the boxes, when I was just on the achievement hamster wheel and kind of the achievement treadmill, a telltale sign that I completely blew off or was unaware of is that I would achieve something, let's say get the MBA or get get whatever degree or the next certification or the next job. And I would have this like momentary blip, like it'd be like, (laughs) and then after that, it'd be like the same make more money, it'd be like, oh, okay, a little bit more. Okay, a little more happy, right? And then it'd be the same. And what I'm learning now is, is that to really be happy, you've got to find stuff that's going to really drive deep and go into that joy area of you. You really drive into what is your passion? What is what is the thing? And so that's what I'm seeking right now is not just to check the boxes because it's the right thing to do. It's to check the boxes because it makes me happy or to, to say, forget about the boxes. Like, who 
cares about the boxes? Make new boxes. And so um, it does, it, it's, you know, when I talk to family or friends or even my husband, and I'm like, let's make new boxes. Let's, how do we want our summer to look? How do we want our kids' school experience to look? I'm definitely way more out of the box mentally now than I was before. I, I love that. Who cares about the boxes? Make new boxes. That's like Make the perfect tweet. <laughs> <laughs> and I heard the dog bark in the background. So thank you. <laughs> this idea of boxes. I mean, you're, we talked about you being an entrepreneur at work where somehow you're bringing this love of, of coaching other people, of helping other people about doing your podcast, Brave Women at Work, into your, your daily life. It's like, well, why do these two worlds have to be separate? Why can't they be merged in right. somehow? Mm-hmm. I, I think COVID really has blurred the walls of the boxes and made those boxes. And for those of you who are not watching the video, I'm taking my hands and I'm moving them in and taking like two separate things and intertwining my fingers because those walls have really blurred between these individual boxes. And he talked earlier about how you know, you don't want it to go purely back to the way it was or purely to the way it is. You want some sort of hybrid like kind of thing where we've got new boxes. Is there one new box that you've really thought about lately for you and your family? Yes. So there is one new box that I'm thinking about a lot. So one of the things that we were blessed So before we moved to our new house about four years ago, we lived in a duplex complex. And and when you're in like a duplex complex or townhomes, it's more transient. So families might be coming in and out. It might be more of a starter, at least in my area, that's how it is. Not a lot of kids in the neighborhood. And so my daughter was about four or so when we moved out there. And I just prayed. I was like, oh, I really want to make sure that my daughter has some friends in the neighborhood. So going back to, you know, what you were talking about in your childhood, getting out there and having fun with the neighborhood kids. There's nothing like that. Right. Just building those hopefully lifelong friendships of like I knew her when she was little and we played in our neighborhood. How fun is that? And so it's come to pass. And my daughter, my nine-year-old actually has made, there's like a posse of them now. And they go outside <laughs> after school and, you know, there's like five or six of them and they're like, you know, fighting together and, you know, they have fights and then, then they, you know, play hopscotch and, you know, they're playing dolls and, you know, all of the fun stuff, you know, they're running in sprinklers. And I'm just like, these are precious memories. And so one of the boxes that I'm talking to my husband about right now is in the fall, my husband and I, we traditionally get home around, Uh, both of us get home around six o'clock. Well, that's not really great for building those relationships because a lot of those girls actually are home right after school. So like three 30 or so. And so I'm now starting to wonder, do I really want my daughter in aftercare five days a week? That's a long day for her. So she's in school from eight to three or so. Then she's in aftercare from three, three 30 to 6 PM that's a long, long day for a 10 year old or any kid. And I'm not here to shame anyone. You know, if so, if that's your story and you've got to have kids in aftercare, then I say more power because I've done it for years. 
I'm just now thinking differently to say, do I really want that? And my husband has some flexibility in his schedule moving forward. And in his business, um, his uh, corporations giving him a little bit more choice going forward of how he'll structure his schedule. And so I'm now thinking, okay, can we have our daughter home at, at right after school, like a few days a week so she can maintain those friendships and she can go outside and run in the sprinkler and play in the leaves and build snowmen and that kind of stuff. So that would have been a box I didn't even know existed a year ago or two years ago. And now it's becoming a whole new thing that I'm thinking about. Mm. And that reminds me of my childhood, right? We did have after school programs or we did ballet or Girl Scouts or brownies or, or whatever. But now it's you've got this soccer and, and this class and that class and the parents are running them back and forth. And I think some of the kids don't even want all of that. But then I started thinking as you were talking about the people that don't even have that option, right? There are maybe single parents right. or they're barely making ends meet. I don't know if they're listening to this show or not, but this show, this show is trending now in Vietnam um, and other places around the world. And I'm really curious for the people around the world who are listening, what life is looking like, and what your boxes are looking like around the world. I mean, I think it would be really cool, Jen, if, people would write in and, and on this show if they find this, the live stream and, and tell us what those boxes look like and what they want them to look like. What would be your word of advice to somebody who feels trapped inside of a box and can't even begin to see and maybe COVID exacerbated that box mm-hmm. for them and, and made them feel even more trapped versus some people who, like yourself, are seeing more happiness or some more light inside their boxes, the blurring of it. What would you say to the people who who can't even possibly see their way outside of that? Yeah. And I know there are so, so many. So the first thing I would tell you if you're listening or if you see this is that I'm so sorry that you had to go through that or you may still be going through that, that I am passing all of the empathy that I can to you through the screen. And then I'm just so, so sorry. And the other thing that I would say is you may have lost loved ones. So I'm not going to say, you know, platitudes of, you know, oh, it'll get better. You may have lost people. You may have had serious health issues. So what I would say is twofold is if you can just allow yourself a sliver to maybe dream when you feel ready you know, dream on paper or just say, you know, what would I like life to look like longer term? You know, how can I tap into resources? So that's another thing that I struggle with is that I have a hard time asking for help. And so I think that asking for help, if you have help around you, you know, if you're a single parent, it takes a village. And so if you have friends, ask for help. If you have family by you, ask for help if you can get the help that you need. Because you may need have you may have had to take on a different job. You may have had to take on a second job. You may have a completely different schedule now than you did before. I don't know what your situation is, but I would do two things. Number one, I would really reflect and think about what how you want life to change moving forward and to ask for help wherever you can get it in the interim until you can make those changes. And I also, um, there's my dog again. And I would also just say that the last piece is giving yourself the time. And I've used the word grace, the runway, because 
you may have to be rebuilding a career. You may be having, you know, severe struggles from stress and depression and things like that, that you have to undig from and heal from. So you may never be the same. And I think it's just going to take time to get to what the new normal is for you. Mm, I love that. That's really beautiful. And it's, so true. You know, we're all at different points in our life and we all went through COVID in our own way. And we, I know I have compared myself to my cousin who's been ridiculously productive and, you know, like we did every room in our house and learn new skills, like at, at least five new skills that I can think of that my cousin has learned. Friends who, you know, are baking their own bread and making these gourmet meals. And I didn't have that experience through COVID. But for me, COVID was just another year of being in my house, right? So um, I really, I love that you talked about we're having our own experience and finding our own way through it and giving ourselves grace. And I just think that was so so beautiful that self-compassion you talked about at the very very beginning of the show i want to mention your podcast again brave women at work what made you start that particular podcast that title of the show and is there one thing that's really stood out for you with all the guests you've had on your show so why did I start it? <clears throat> I started it as part of my healing from burnout. So um, I'm, I'm here to teach, but it's also self-serving because I'm here to listen to the words that are being coming out of my mouth. So that's why I always felt like I missed the boat for some reason. So my mom's a teacher, my brother's a teacher, my sister-in-law, my aunt, my aunt, my dad. I mean, everyone in my family is or was a teacher. And so I asked my mom many, many times, I'm like, mom, did I miss the boat? Should I have been a high school teacher? And she's like, absolutely not. (laughs) She just said, you're based on your personality. That would be a no go. But I always felt like I missed something that I had something to give to people. And during this COVID process, I'm like, I want to give back and I want to heal at the same time. And I always loved listening to podcasts. And I was a guest on a few podcasts with coaches and other trainers and things. And then the hour would come up and I would be like, oh, and I didn't realize how much I loved it. And so I just decided imperfectly, messily, that I was going to start my own show. And so I thought about what the topics were and what I could talk about. And this just felt most natural to me because I've spent so much of my time in corporate. I've had so many experiences on the corporate side, good, bad, sideways that, and I feel passionate about helping women grow in their careers. And I think once they take bolder action there, it's going to spill over into their lives just because we're spending so much time there. It just sets the found a really nice foundation And I also knew that I struggled with mindset and that I was healing that and that mindset was a huge part of it, too. So with that, I started Brave Women at Work to give women two things, not only tips on how they can improve their mindset, but also real world stories and examples and tips of how they could go get a job, how they could interview better, how they could ask for something uh, in a meeting, how they could pitch better. So I give a combination of both of those. So I'm hoping I'm answering your first question. You are. The second question was, what stands out for me? Wow. So that's a really good question. So let me think about that for a second. I think the one right now that's coming off the top of my head 
is, well, there's two of them. Number one, Casey Hartung that I already mentioned, the idea of work-life flow. I just, I love that concept. And when I heard it from Casey, and I don't know if she started it or she took it or, you know, from someone else and borrowed it. But I love that idea because I was like, this is how I want my life to be. I don't want it to be so segmented and so rigid. Like we talk about boxes. I want it to be like more flowing and like water and that it just kind of moves and that I can make things, make pivots and move with it. So that's the first one. The second one is during COVID. So here's the skill I picked up beyond podcasting, Laura, is minimalism. And so one of the things I learned is that the cleaner that my house is, not clean, but just the, the, the stuff I'm not using, I'm getting rid of. So my family is laughing at me lately going, if it's not nailed down, Jen is throwing it away. <laughs> so I had, um, I've really gotten rid of, purged a lot of things uh, during COVID and feel so good about just my house. It feels so good. And when we're in our homes, or we're working from home, it's like a big deal because it's the environment we're in all the time. And so I interviewed a very famous blogger and she's got quite the following. Her name is Courtney Carver and she has the blog. Um, well, she's got simplicity space. She's got do less, be more. She's written several, several books and she has something called Project 333, which is pretty famous. And it's a decluttering challenge for your closet. You might be wondering, well, how does this have anything to do with brave women at work? Well, she talks about decluttering your mental clutter and your mental chatter and really saying no and setting boundaries and all of those things that I am now. I love the word boundaries. now. <laughs> uh, and so with those things, I had her on. <clears throat> so I was very starstruck, Laura, when I had her on. And I think that, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the most popular podcast to date because not only is she super popular out there, I think she's got many fans on Instagram and all over the interwebs, but she also shared a really good message. So those are the two that stand out to me. I, you know, I love that, like me, uh, it, it's the show is changes me. Every guest I have, something shifts inside of me some mm -hmm. unlocking happens. Mm -hmm. um, some shows I do more with after the show in terms of personally what happens inside my life because of it. But every single guest I've ever had on has affected me personally in some mm -hmm. way or another. And, and I love that that's what happens on your show. And writing for pod, uh, Podcast Magazine, I'm a category director for technology, and I also write for some other magazines. To me, that's the sign of an incredible host mm. is that you're you're being vulnerable while asking the questions and learning whatever you're learning from your guest. I, I think that really comes through. At least I hope that comes through from oh, when, when I'm hosting my own show for six years now, <laughs> seven years total, but I had a different show beyond that. So I love that about you. And that's what I love about your show. I mean, when Thank I you. listen to your show, I'm like, this is a really great show Thank with you. a lot of wonderful stuff. So why don't we share how people can find your show, how they can reach out to you? Maybe, maybe they need a little help with their own boxes and trying to figure them out or the idea of bringing some messiness into their life, or just being okay with some messiness in their life. How do they reach you and how do they find your show? Sure. So thank you again, Laura, for having me on. This was so wonderful. 
So the Brave Women Orc show is on iTunes. So it's an Apple Podcasts. It's in Spotify and Stitcher. So you can find it on that those three platforms. I also have a website, bravewomenatwork.com. So they can find the historical shows and the most current show there. And I would love to hear from anyone, leave a rating and review right on Apple Podcasts. And then finally, I just started a free private Facebook community for all Brave Women at Work listeners. So join me there in that conversation. And then uh, you can always find me on LinkedIn as well. So if you want to connect me there, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Is this the site for your show? Yes. Yep. Okay. Does that also have links to your Facebook group that people can find there? Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So everybody can go to bravewomenatwork.com. They can reach out to you there as well and on LinkedIn and they can find the link to the Facebook group there. I I love the work that you're doing, Jennifer. I'm so glad you were on the show today. And I want to give a shout out again to Patty Grimm for introducing us because I mean, your, your message is so powerful. Your story is so powerful. It's not just your message, it's your story. It's your life that you've lived. And I think it's hilarious that, throughout the show, we've both had these blips of messiness <laughs> in our life. You know, your internet left. Um, I got a I dog. dog working, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I started playing the opening for my show without making the stream live. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. We have to run with it. We have to roll with it. And I want to thank you for sharing your, your story with us today. And I, I hope everybody subscribes, follows, and and watches your show, Brave Women at Work, and joins your Facebook group. I'm going to join your Facebook group. Thank you. Thank you, Laura. And thank you so much again. It's been such a pleasure to talk with you today. It's been awesome. Can't wait to, I have so many social media little things I want to send out there from the show today. So thank you. (laughs) No problem. All right, everybody. Uh, It was so great to have Jen on the show today the host of Brave Women at Work podcast, sharing her story about messiness, about life, about all these different things that can happen. And and you know that I share all the messiness of my own life, my own business, everything on this show, but I am just so honored that I'm able to bring these kind of guests to you each week. I would love it if you would rate and review the show, if you would share the show with all of your listeners. And please, as I asked, you know, during the show today, post up, let, let us know, let me know, let Jen know what boxes you think you want to blur the lines to, or get rid of completely what messiness that has started to come into your life. You want to keep, or you don't want to keep, we're here to help. And remember at the end of the day, the right questions can change your life. So what are you asking today? Have a great day, everyone. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.